You're listening to episode 10 of House Sitting Legends. This episode is proudly brought to you by HouseSitMatch.com, the international matchmaking platform helping you find the perfect sit and sitters every time. You have arrived into the world of House Sitting Legends, the place where epic tales are told and pearls of wisdom flow freely. Join us as we meet those going above and beyond the call of duty, caring for homes and pets across the globe. Welcome to the House Sitting Legends Podcast. Immerse yourself in the wonders of international house sitting and unleash your inspiration for freedom and world travel. And now your hosts, Nat and Jody. Welcome along to this very special episode today where we are talking to an absolute valued member of our House Sitting World Facebook group, Josie Snyder is one of the first people we came across uh, when we were first searching for who else was house-sitting out there. And she's got an amazing blog called housesittingtravel.com. And she's come along every single week for I don't know how long it is now (laughs) and absolutely inspired others to put up their blog post and share their tips, tricks about not just house-sitting but travel as well. So, Josie, welcome along. It's so great that you've said yes to us here to share some of your amazing stories. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yay. (laughs) So let's start with how long have you been house-sitting for? For you and Conrad, how long has it been? Uh, We started in 2010, um, and uh, we haven't house-set steadily. We don't uh, full-time travel. So... um, we house sat quite a bit in 2010 and then took a break and then a couple of other house sits along the way. So hmm. uh, we're not full-time travelers, but um, we feel like we've done enough to uh, be able to speak about it a little bit. Well, I just love that when uh, we actually first connected with you, because you did actually kind of you know, give everything up and did the nomadic thing, and then you felt like you, you got a bit grown up there and went and bought a house again. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and uh, we're very happy that we did, but, you know, we get itchy feet, and uh, as a matter of fact, we're just planning now about uh, renting out our condominium and going full-time traveling again for a year. Oh, really? <laughs> See, that's the way to do it. I love, I love the mix-up, because you had the experience of all aspects. Yeah, you've had that, that experience. Now it's time to go back to travel again. <laughs> yeah, you know, you just, when you got it under your skin, you got get out and do more of it yeah it's hard to give it up (laughs) what got you into house sitting in the first place because you would have started you know house sitting's been around for a long while I'm sure but um in its own form but you know house sitting has really come into its own now I suppose in more recent years so you would have been there in the earlier days of house sitting what what actually sparked it for you in the first place Conrad and I were in Australia in 2008, and we were staying in a bed and breakfast um, at one of our stops uh, along on our trip, and the hostess of the bed and breakfast said, well, I don't own this place, I'm just house-sitting here, (laughs) helping out the owners. Uh-huh. And, you know, we looked at each other and said, what? Wait, what is this thing, (laughs) house-sitting? (laughs) <laughs> and she started explaining it and how you go on a website and you match up. And, and I could just feel like my blood pressure rising and my excitement. <laughs> in, in a good way. <laughs> starting to hyperventilate. And I said, this is perfect. I love this. I love this 
concept. And we went, uh, as soon as we could get to our computers, I was looking it up and dreaming about it. Uh, and I, I, we both knew that it was for us. Yeah. And so it wasn't until two years later that we actually, um, we did um, sell all of our things and we went out for three years um, and house sat along the way. So it was, and indeed it is perfect. It, turned out to be even better than we had ever dreamed because there's so many aspects of it that you don't understand until you're actually do, pardon me doing it yes so where did you start with then like like you know selling up in the states and kind of heading off did you have something in place as to or some sort of destination or where you wanted to start with no we we were totally completely open to whatever came along yeah. and so when we started applying um you know i just had this feel when you start to look at the different uh um assignments you get a feel for the people that put the posts out there and there were some people that i really connected to just by the way that they worded their sentences or the pictures that they chose to put on about their house or their animals. And I could feel there were some people that I connected with right away. And those were the ones that we went with. Mm. Um, so it, and it didn't matter where it was. So we just went where the, where it felt right. And when the wind took you. <laughs> so yeah. did that include all types of weather as well? Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so where did it take you to? <laughs> so we started off in Denmark and then we went to Spain and then we went to Italy and then we ended up in the States for a while in a state that we had never, uh, that we hadn't spent a lot of time in. Mm. Um, and so that was it. That was our route. Yep. And the last house set was a very long one. So um, we haven't done as many assignments as many of the other people, but they were so incredibly diverse. And we spent, you know, quite a bit of time at each location. So mm -hmm. um, that, that was the joy of it to us is staying in one location for a long time. Uh, you know, you really, really felt like you were living there. Yeah. yeah, we've we've spoken to a, a couple of people who live in areas that are, um, I guess, expat uh, focused now, and we were talking about the idea of like you know maybe using house sitting as a way to get to know an area to see if that is where maybe you want to move to or whether it be for retirement or just to have a life change experience, and to a degree, I mean, I guess house sitting has already done that for you because you guys have got a love affair with Spain, uh, which means you've got a project yeah. coming up as well. Yes. Yeah, we did fall in love with Spain big time. Um, and it was in between a couple of house sits that we found ourselves in Barcelona or outside of Barcelona and, uh, you know, fell in love with it so much and met people there. You know, that was that was part of the, the magic for us as we fell in with some people, a family and made such good friends and they're enthusiastic about their Catalonia. And so their enthusiasm, um, you know, just spread over to us. And, uh, you know, yes, we are starting our own business now, taking small group tours there to that wow. very wow. area. That's exciting. That, that is very exciting. When does that start? 
The first trip is in April 2016. Cool. Cool. And what will that involve? Just taking small groups of people on set um, routes and stuff? Obviously different things that you want people to see? You know, it was inspired by house sitting in that um, you really immerse in a culture and learn so much about one particular area by staying there. And unlike other tours where you um, have to unpack and pack every day or every other day, we're going to stay in one location the whole time. Oh, wow. Okay. And what we wanted to do is find a really, really beautiful place to stay so that people would feel um, like that was part of the joy of the trip, too, is having this amazing place to stay. And Mm. we have found that. And then so from there, um, from this beautiful 17th century villa, um, we'll take people out on day trips. And, you know, Barcelona and Catalonia has a lot to offer. So mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no shortage of things to do. Well, it was a pretty fun recon cool. mission last year when you went over there then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Right, <laughs> right. How cool that house sitting actually inspired it in the first place. Like that's, as you say, it's such a different type of tour because you're staying in the one spot, but it has actually been inspired through house sitting, which is really cool. Thank you. Thanks. And, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and look, and, and you know, Spain as well is um, one of those countries that actually gets a lot of house sitting listings. Oh my gosh, do they ever? Yeah, and there's very diverse uh, areas there and climates. And and lots of lots of oceanfront, so it's a it's a great place to go. Mm. Okay, so with this telling of tales and with the amount of experience, I mean anybody should listening to this should go along to your website, House Sitting Travel. There is just an abundance of tips and advice on really, I guess, just how to kind of get started and and do the right thing along the way to the point that. You contributed some awesome advice uh, inside of our House Sitting Academy as well. So thank you again for doing that with us. Um, but, you know, along these trips, uh, were any tales that sort of come to mind that uh, might have been a little bit crazy or things a little bit different to maybe what you might have expected? Yes, uh, and it was in Spain. It was the, the very second house that we house sat for and... Um, the reason that it was so unusual is because it it changed our lives mm. and it changed um, a, a very strong uh, feeling inside of me about life and death. Right. And I have I have no fear of death now because of being there. Um, so so what it was was a completely remote off the grid home and and I know I've talked to you about this before because I talk about it we talk about it all the time (laughs) and um, so we knew we wanted an adventure Conrad and I are both uh, outdoorsy people we're not squeamish about um, you know living off the land or not having a grocery store nearby you know and we like camping and canoe trips and so we wanted an adventure. We were looking for that. And so this house it spoke to me. And um, it's an extremely remote house on the side of a mountain with uh, solar power. And the water is collected by a series of uh, pipes that come from a mountain spring. And so 
we were, you know, understandably like so excited to get there and get into this. And when we arrived there, the the man who owned the home, it's a second home for him, he was very kind enough to pick us up at the airport. Um, but he was a really, really, really disorganized man. <laughs> and so we had less than 24 hours to get all of the information from him. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, before we took him back to the airport and he was going to fly away to his home in England. Yep. So um, in the time that we were with him, uh, it was such a crazy whirlwind. If you've had homeowners that are very disorganized, you know, he didn't have a map. He did not have anything written down. He did not have emergency numbers for us. So nothing, zero. And so um, not only was he still trying to get his own things together to take back to England with him, but he had to impart all of this knowledge to us about this very unusual home and how to turn on the water and how pumps work and batteries and systems and the composting toilet and um, you know, how to get back and forth to town and where, you know, all, all those millions of things. And, you know, we were out where the, you could see no other homes. The roads didn't have even names because we were so remote. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of information. And he was the kind of guy that kept talking um, and he would say one thing, oh, I want to show you this refrigerator back here. We got to look at something. And, oh, that reminds me of something. You know that tool I was telling you about? It's in the third drawer down. You know, and he would completely shift topic constantly. And so um, Conrad and I were in shock, just in shock trying to absorb everything. So we took him to the airport the next day and promptly got lost going back to the house because we didn't, we hadn't written down what we had done to drive away. And the only thing that, that saved us, I mean, we, we were driving around literally the whole day trying to find our way back there. And um, the thing that saved us is that I had remembered this enormous agave plant on the, on the intersection of where we had to turn. Yeah. And so I'm just setting up the, the beginning of this house sit that was chaotic and stressful. And um, so we're trying to get settled in and um, it was kind of freaky in that one of the last things he said to me before he, he left to go on the plane was, oh, and, and one of the reasons I want you to come and house it for us is because um, I had drug dealers poaching on my property and, you know, now I've gotten rid of them and I need somebody in there for security. Oh, and right. so we're laying in bed and, you know, you're, out in the middle of nowhere and it was the very first time I had been in Spain also so I didn't know what the culture was you know like I was envisioning the hills of West Virginia where you have some funny hill people who can be pretty 
um, unfriendly to <laughs> folks who don't belong there kind of thing. <laughs> so I had no idea what the culture was around there. And I couldn't sleep. I was afraid. And, you know, I'm not a fearful person. I'm like blissfully unfearful wherever I go in my life. Yeah. But there was something about that that really, really scared me. Mm. And I couldn't sleep. And the fact that we had just been through this crazy thing with the homeowner and uh, trying to get adjusted. I could just imagine after he leaves and you get back, like you know, you've got this traumatic experience of even getting back to the place um, after not knowing your way in that. The, the kind of download or the, the unwinding as such to then only be faced with, you know, just more things is kind of like, I mean, how long was this it for? Like, did you start counting down the days from day one? Oh, no, no. I mean, it was supposed to be um, two and a half months long. Oh, wow. wow. Um, so the, the stra- my stress level was rising mm. as the days went on, and I was sleep deprived, deprived and, and then, um, you know, Conrad and I were having these big talks every day, like, you know, how are we going to cope with this, and <laughs> this guy is crazy, and we can't find tools, and, um, you know, we had to drive the, he left us his car, I mean, he was very generous. And he left us his car to drive, and we would get lost every time we went somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Character building. (laughs) Rising to the point. uh, And then finally, um, we had gone out to get the propane tanks because everything ran on propane. Um, the things that didn't run on solar ran on propane. Mm. And we were bringing back some propane tanks. And Conrad had, um, there was a like a four-wheeler that you put the propane tanks in the trailer and haul them up the mountain up to the house. Because yeah. the car won't go up to the house. And he was on a very steep part of an uphill. And the four-wheeler tipped over oh. and spilled him down this cliff and he just said all I could think of as I was falling down this cliff was to as soon as I landed somewhere to get the hell out of the way because that four-wheeler was coming right on top of me yeah yeah. they are one of the worst bikes to have accidents on because of that they can totally flip and land on top of you oh and I was you know about 30 feet away watching all of this. (laughs) Freaking out. Freaking out completely. And so that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. And thankfully, Conrad was not hurt. We think he landed on the only soft spot on the entire mountain. (laughs) That was lucky. (laughs) He's very fit and he's very strong. So he just like uh, tucked and rolled. Yeah. Yep. And got the heck out of the way so it's like sometimes i think those type of accidents can get get a little bit in slow motion um you know if if he's actually had the time to think get out of the way when i land (laughs) it's pretty amazing yes yes uh so i walked over to the edge of the cliff to look down and see uh you know what kind of condition he was in Mm. And he was standing up by that 
point and you know of course I was really relieved but it it like elevated the the crescendo of all of the stress yeah yeah and I just at that moment uh, it it's a real palpable wave that came over me. I can remember that exact moment. Mm. And I said out loud, like not to him, I just kind of said it softly out loud. It's okay if I die out here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's pretty profound. I mean, what do you think actually was it was it like a surrendering mm. in in that moment of almost seeing uh, you know not only not not your life but but seeing your husband have this accident and then just going through all these different levels i guess of seeing that and the end of the day he's all right you're all right um i don't know almost like nothing nothing can stop you now nothing can get in your way now it it was a surrendering it was um be, because it it was a feeling like if I don't surrender, I'm going to break apart at the seams. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And well. so at that moment, all of a sudden, you know, he came up and, you know, we're hugging and we're just standing on the top of this thing, looking down there and, and just like crying and hugging. And um, it was so dramatic and I turned around and it was like I was looking at the stuff around us for the very first time. Mm. And we had been there for, I think, three or four days at that point. Yeah, You could finally yeah. see it. Could finally see it. Yeah. And it was so incredible. <laughs> and from that moment on, we just fell so deeply in love with that mountain yeah. and to the point where we just we had stretches of days where we seriously did not want to leave yeah wow yeah that is and a, we that's pretty amazing know, that's very profound we got to know the rhythm of the wind and <laughs> what animals would come around at what time of day. And there was the fox in the morning and the eagles that flew by every morning and came back every night from wherever they went. Yes. And there was yep. this um, herd of ibex goats. You know, there's those, they're those really huge mountain goats with those horns that mm -hmm. go way back over. Yeah. And there was a huge herd of them that came out every day at seven o'clock and they their route or their routine was right by the house. And, you know, one time they got so close we could smell them. Mm -hmm. And they were just they weren't really they didn't seem super afraid. Um, and they would just kick at the dirt to forage for bugs or roots. Um, but we fell in love with that so much, and we fell in love with the challenge of kind of living like pioneers. <laughs> well, what, what's coming to mind is, you know, it, it's all that that whole um, you know, becoming becoming one with with the mountain, the animals, the the house, the off the grid, the looking after yourself. Uh, pioneer is a beautiful way to describe it, but. It's making me think of a story where um, different uh, people that sort of go on uh, a path of enlightenment 
and they'll talk about the the mountain and it's kind of like you can go off to the mountain and you know yeah. sort of become one with your surroundings your environment um, and then of course the challenge of enlightenment is to come back and integrate that in, into life as such but I think you've painted such an incredible visual uh, of the the duality of how we would normally or when I say we we as a as you know human race that comes out of in most cases a quite westernized society um, can go into an environment like that and like you were freaked out to a degree really stressed how are we going to do this what do we have to do we're not going to know how to do things um, he didn't show us everything we're getting lost every time we go out um, but that profound moment of of surrender that you're talking about is is basically the the best way I can describe or from my understanding of that kind of experience of, of enlightenment. Thank you. I, I'm honored to have you say it that way. Um, it, it feels like that and it feels um, like my whole, con uh, my whole concept of death now is different mm. uh, and I, I don't have fear about it. Um, which of course means that you can live life fully because you don't fear death anymore and I think that just gives you an op op open invitation yeah and it's very true I have realized since then that it's fear about whatever you know different people have different fears about whatever yeah. but it's that fear that holds people back from things well, I love that. Um, uh, what is it? The the anagrams. I, I always get that wrong. Uh, acronym. Acronym of uh, fear. You know, false evidence appearing real, and <laughs> you know it's sort of. That's what we look at the illusion of life sometimes to say. Well, you know, here is an off grid house. Here is a mountain. You know, here is a four wheel uh, bike. And it's kind of like this idea of false evidence appearing real. And you know, as it was, Conrad found the only place of small soft patchy ground and bounced right back up and came up and mm. and you know gave gave you so much love and obviously you felt so much love not just for him but for life itself we we talk about that house sit so much and you know one of the things that we kept saying after that to each other as we were sitting outside because we lived outside you know practically 24 hours a day there um, and we kept saying to each other, nobody back home is going to understand when we tell them about this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting, They're isn't it? They're just not going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's those shared experiences. At least you've got each other to share those experiences with because I, I do believe you're right that people back home don't get it. I guess other travelers get it though, and other house sitters definitely get it because yes. they're sort of going through very similar experiences. And we were talking about that in another interview where, you know, it's almost like that kindred spirit because you're going through similar experiences, um, even though it may not be the same one. But yeah. That's right. Yeah, I do feel a big kindred spirit with other house sitters for that reason. I, I hear their stories about, um, you know, being changed by. Uh, living in someone else's home, it, mm. it is yeah. something that's very, very intimate, living in someone else's home. Yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. And it, it's virtually even verging on kind of almost even a, a sacred experience type of thing. Like even if you only ever do that house sit once in that place with those people and the community and the connection you feel to it, um, yeah, it, it 
it, it makes me want to sit back sometimes and just really uh, soak up the gratitude of, of the experiences that we're having because it is so much more beyond just saving a bit of money on rent as you travel. Um, the, the whole being of service aspect, particularly for the homeowners, you know, for them to know that their animals are being taken care of, that their home is secure. You finish the story. Did you actually have any of those drug people coming back around again? <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh, no. I mean, the, the people that we met in the area were just as sweet as can be. And, yeah. you know, it didn't take us long to realize that, you know, my fears were just totally stories made up in my head. <laughs> but, yeah, but I, I also wanted to say um, – because you started out asking me to tell this because there's kind of teachable moments. Yeah. Uh, so there's kind of an ironic thing having to do with that because after that house sit, we kind of changed our rules of how we um, approached applying for house sits. And, and one of those rules is that we both must Skype with, yeah. Uh, the person on, in in this particular instance, only I skyped with the homeowner um, because of our schedules, and Conrad just couldn't be around, you know. Um, so Conrad didn't know he didn't have any input into um, the homeowner beforehand. Mm. So um, he was a little upset about that seeing as you know how it turned out yes um and also the number two thing was you know i i always now will have my notebook and pen at the ready when i walk in the door for the first time in somebody's house yeah. <laughs> they're gonna start telling you things immediately and yeah. you have to get them written down yeah, you've got to be ready. Yeah. But look, I'm going to challenge the, the process there because we do have a number of, of uh, very experienced house sitters who love sharing advice uh, through our group, including yourself, where the, the people that might be, say, whether it be in fear or just pure preparation, the preparation aspect, um, you know, how much can I be prepared before getting started on whatever experience it may be? I'm going to challenge the fact that let's say that even if Conrad had have been placed in the position of being able to Skype with this particular guy, um, get a bit more of a feel for it, then you can intuitively tune into each other and say, you know, it feels like it's going to be a bit chaotic or crazy, but do you want to do it or not? That's probably more where it's gotten to. But if you hadn't have had this experience, if you hadn't have, um, you know, almost even if you had have had all this um, kind of preparation in place before you may have said no to this and may have missed out on it altogether. So I feel that there's a part of um, that gut instinct side of things that still overrules all the preparation and, and almost expectation. It's not for everybody. Uh, I think that people like yourself have purposely created this type of experience so that you can, oh, this sounds terrible to say, but like live to tell the tale. I mean, literally, mm. like, you know, you could have been um, witnessing your uh, your husband's death in that moment, um, which I'm sure is what sort of went through in a flash of your, uh, of your mind. But you needed to have this experience um, on so many levels for even just being able to tell the tale, but having the profound experience that you had. And, and this is so perceptive of you. And thank you for taking this 
whole conversation to the next level of that understanding. And um, that's why I said that my two rules that we changed, it's, it's very ironic for that exact reason. Because if we had been more careful, or if Conrad had Skyped with this guy and said, you know, I just don't like the looks of, uh, you know, I don't like the way he sounds, or he seems scattered, or... Um, you know, if if whatever had happened, uh, that we were more careful or discriminating, and we said no to that house, that you're absolutely right, that we would not have had the experience, and that would have been a shame. Yeah. yeah. And so um, I I wrote a blog about this, about you know setting your criteria. But then understanding when it's okay to throw that criteria out the window. Yes, mm. yeah. Mm. Or at least being flexible or, or, or you know, um, sort of bendable as such around certain things. Uh, you know, we were talking to a, a couple as well that, that said that they felt they hadn't been given all the information from their homeowner about certain things. But um, again, to a degree, the experience ended up being so rich. So... I think the word discriminating is actually a nice way to put it. It's kind of almost even not discriminating against yourself. <laughs> yeah, well said, well said. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you know, the nature of house sitting is that it's unpredictable, and so you really are not going to know uh, when you walk in the door if it's going to go well or not. Mm. Um, but... I and Conrad and I both enjoy that risk and we feel confident enough in our powers of flexibility and in um, uh, adaptability taking, really yeah, yeah adaptability and being able to uh, take care of an emergency I guess mm, is thinking on the fly yeah 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 mm. so we feel confident in that, and and we'd like to find another house that like that again. Yeah. Well, that, that actually brings me to my my final question. Uh, really, just for for inspiration, we like to just tap in every now and again and say, if there was a dream location, type of sit, uh, even pets to a degree, I think you've now just pretty much summed that up. So. What about country? Could we put that same type of environment into a different country for you to have a, a bit of a bucket list, get there one day? Yeah, I mean, we both loved Australia so much and and only spent three weeks there. And as you well know, you can't possibly see it in three weeks. So. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> we would love to go back there. And, you know, there's a lot of very house-sitter-friendly people there, yeah. and I've seen many, many, many uh, remote house-sits or small farms. That That's my bucket list thing, is to uh, house-sit for a small herd of cattle or sheep. Uh, I can so see you doing it, JC. I think it's yeah. going to be awesome. You're absolutely going to manifest that. I, I think that's a given. <laughs> I would love to do that. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Well, Josie, and of course, Conrad, who's not with us today, but uh, I was going to say, because of your experience and length of time that you've been house-sitting, but I think after this conversation, I'm going to say because of the depth that you bring to house-sitting, 
uh, and the experience and richness that um, I think you've, I feel you really share with other house sitters and homeowners. You are indeed house sitting legends. Thank you. I'm so flattered. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> we'll be sending out the t-shirt so you can wear it proudly too. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I like that. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been wonderful, and uh, and to be honest, we hadn't heard that full story before. Not in, no. I guess, such a um, descriptive and uh, you know image building way. So mm. thank you so much. Yeah, you painted a great picture there. Thank you. I appreciate you asking me to tell the story. That's brilliant. Okay, so good luck with Spain with your tours. Uh, for people to get in contact with you about going and having one of these immersion experiences with you, where do they go? The brochure is on my housesittingtravel.com website. Great. And they'll see it right on the main menu. Excellent. Awesome. And of course, the best way to get in touch with Josie is come into the Facebook group, House Sitting World, and every Monday, just like clockwork, you'll see her post up the weekly call out for blog posts, uh, which we appreciate no end. Yes, thank you. Uh, so, yep, Josie, say hello to Conrad for us, and we will catch up in 3D versions somewhere in the world. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your house sit in Mexico. Thank we you very well. Thank you, honey. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Care. Wow, what a big episode this has been. Josie is such a legend in the house-sitting world, and to share such a personal story as this is really life-changing for us all in so many ways. As we near the end of our first season of House-Sitting Legends, we ask that if you've loved listening to these stories, to please leave us a positive rating and review on iTunes, and in return, we will keep them coming. Next up, we have a super fun chat with Martin, who is blowing all the myths out the water that single men cannot go house-sitting. After eight years of house-sitting, he has oodles of wisdom and more importantly, fun stories to share. So be sure to tune in.